0: Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories.
1: Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this latest chat with friends. This is a very unique uh, opportunity at an interview and I'm very, very excited to share. So... A couple of weeks ago, if you watch my channel on Shelf Stories, I did a video uh, addressing a situation with an abstract game called Garinto, and you know, Twitter kerfuffle, blah blah blah. We'll go into all that in a second. Um, but you know, there are real people that are bringing you these games that are designing these games. I reached out to one at the, you know, after they put out a post saying, you know, they're willing to talk. I'm willing to talk too. So I reached out and this person jumped right on it and was willing to come on to hash out uh, whatever issues that we have. So uh, without further ado, the publisher of Garento, the founder of Grand Gamers Guild, uh, hailing from Eastern Michigan, uh, so we're barely in the same time zone, so we're making it work. His name is Mark Spector. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So yeah, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, so a couple of things about this particular episode. I think we need to kind of lay some groundwork. So sure. so, first of all, I am a content creator and I have worked with Grand Gamers Guild before. You see, up on this this right here, there is a game called Endangered. I love this game. <laughs> I love Proud of I Did a podcast about it, did a, a playthrough video about it on the one-stop co-op shop. By the way, welcome to the one-stop co-op shop podcast as well. Uh, so I, it's a game. I got it as a review copy. I love it, and I'm going to request the expansion, new species when I, when the time comes around. And I, would, I have Best Man on screen. He's going to come through for me, right?
0: You're already on my list, my yes. friend. So. <laughs> I'm actually just to divert a little bit. What Joe has done with making the scenarios feel unique, I think is going to blow you out of the water. So anyway, carry on. I,
1: well, that yeah we shall see but i this is a this is a a long a previous relationship we're not like friends or anything but it's a professional you know content creator media partner relationship right so that has that is pre-existing before now so I want to continue this relationship. So this is not any kind of like gotcha thing. So like, I, I also have a reputation for being on the progressive side of things for making criticism. People saw my video, they were like, Jason, calm down, breathe. <laughs> I was a little bit heated. However, um, I mean, at the end of the day, this is about just community and, you know, pe- you know, this uh, criticism is not cancellation. I will say that a couple of times. Uh, if I have criticism, it does not mean that we're canceling anything. It's just, let's hash this out. That is the spirit in which I want to have this conversation. So, having said that, there are a couple of issues with the game Garinto. uh, We're going to talk about issues of cultural appropriation. We're going to talk about issues of, you know, who gets to make what games and, you know, uh, all all the stuff and also the blog uh, that started a lot of this. So we are going to get into all that. So let's just lay some track for people who just, maybe they don't even know. Uh, you know, you look at Twitter, it's only a couple hundred people. <laughs> this, is, this podcast is going to reach around 2,000 people. So maybe some people don't know. So let's go one step at a time. Gorinto, just tell me what it is. And, you know, just, just, just lay, give me the publisher pitch on what Gorinto is.
0: Sure. So it's a lightly themed uh, in the Japanese uh, culture uh, um, abstract game. So in the, in the vein of things like Azul and Reef and, uh, you know, for people who like abstract games, uh, Garinto should be uh, up your, uh, up your aisle. It is a game for
1: one to five players.
0: Yep. 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 One to five players plays in, uh, I don't know, anywhere from probably half an hour to 45 minutes. Um, essentially, you know, you're, uh, we have a, the, the, primary board is called the mountain and outside the mountain, you have the path and you move tiles from the path to the mountain and you gather, um tiles based on how you move a tile in unique patterns and there are differing goals in the game so that while the core mechanisms are the same uh the game should play out a little bit differently every time uh one thing i'm also really proud of about the game is that it actually plays differently at every player count so solo uh has its own rules um and the solo mode was designed by david tercy i believe uh, it was overseen by David Turk. Okay. So he consulted with Ricky and, and provided a lot of sort of the, the drive because Ricky uh, is... Uh, a Ricky...
1: Time... I'm sorry? Who is uh, the Ricky that designed the solo? Oh, Ricky Gaynor, the primary
0: designer. Of the Aha, game. got it. Mm-hmm. Ricky Gaynor, sorry. I always know him as Ricky. Um, so um, two player has um, sort of a, a, a luck-based variant and a, and a more tactical variant. Uh, three player is sort of your normal game as is five player. And then four player can be a normal game, but I think what we're proudest about, or at least I'm proudest about with that mode of the game is I think there's a really amazing partnership mode that, um, it, it just, uh, kind of upends the gameplay as you know it again, same core mechanic, but really makes, um, makes it into, uh, an equally thinky, but much more social experience as you work with your partner to, to, you know, defeat the other team. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So, I mean, abstract strategy is not the thing I usually cover. <laughs> it's not something I was like, Oh, give me abstract strategy in my life. But you know, we are the one stop a cool. podcast. We cover a lot of solo. Uh, my, Someone might be excited that because the, there aren't that many. There are, you know, like people say, okay, you can't play chess solo. That's just like two sided. Uh, but we do have some things that are in the abstract uh, strategy vein that are beginning to come for the solo. And with David Tercey overseeing it, I believe he, I think he's one of the preeminent solo designers. So like, oh, we hear his name and all right. So then that is the, just the, the laying it out. What this, what this game is. Okay. So then <clears throat> we have a, the blog and we'll get to the blog in a second. So uh, Ricky sure. uh, Richard Gainer uh, posted a blog at BGG eh, maybe about three weeks ago at this point, um, it, it describes some things about the development of the games, like kind of telling the story of the game. It's one of the things that the block did. So then if I'm – and I'm going to just be referring to some notes over here, so I apologize if I'm looking down. Yeah, no worries. Uh, okay, so then the origin of Garinto is that it wasn't it didn't start off as Garinto. It started off as a different abstract category game with a different publisher who – the publisher, I think, believed approached Mike Fitzgerald and said, uh, okay, I need a game about uh, with an Indonesia theme okay i don't know anything about indonesia so like they they you know neither you know white man white fitzgerald or white man ricky Yener knew about indonesia so it's like okay you know let's figure this out make came up with this this game that fell apart uh the the relationship fell apart with the publisher it's like okay i have this game though games don't go away and it's like okay let's get a new theme uh transferred it to this kind of like um japanese philosophy five elements type deal so like you know the fire and the water and all kind of stuff and then I think at that point, grand gamers
0: guild saw the game like, Yeah, like after that beat theme. Yeah. My web developer at the time, um, a lady who is, who lives in the same state, same general area as Ricky. Uh, they share, um, like, like a playtest group. And, um, she was traveling back and forth between her home and my home as she, you know, basically helped me lay the foundation for my company. I, I would not be anything without her talent set. Uh, thank goodness. But, um, and so she talked to Ricky and brought the game out to me. And, and from a description before I'd even played, I was already uh, figuratively salivating because it just, you know, having a, the uh, cartoon TV show Avatar The Last Airbender is uh, just core to my uh, my kids' childhood. I mean, that was family TV viewing. And then obviously this is not IP branded, but to have a game whose foundation was a particular uh Buddhist philosophy, um, in terms of like elemental uh, type stuff, you know, it really resonated with my soul. And then I actually played the game and I was just, it was, you know, like it's what it did what the best games do incredibly simple in execution, but still really good decisions. Right. I mean, it, you, there's a few things you can do and, um, and out of those, the choices arise. And to be fair, um, we actually, in the development really reduced the cognitive load of the game. It was um, it was very different. We don't need to go into that necessarily, but obviously, like every game, it undergoes development to hone it down to uh, you know, the game that we eventually published.
1: Okay, all right. So then, that that, that that's the point where it's like, okay, you honed it down, and then you kickstarted it,
0: right? mm-hmm. so it's a
1: successful Kickstarter, and then you know, it, you know, on and on, and now it's like kind of you know reaching the world. So <laughs> uh, before we get to the blog, um, where what was the encounter on Kickstarter from folks? Did you, um. Were folks kind of like saying, you know, about the theme, about like, you know, what were, were you getting a little bit of smattering about like, okay, hmm, what's going on here? Or was there excitement? It's like, wow, this is, really, it's because it's a beautiful game. So like, wow, right. this is really beautiful and everything. So like, I mean, give us a sense for like, at least before that blog happened, what some of your feedback was.
0: Right. Um, and to be honest with you, um, in, the spe- in the scope of the ki- ki- Kickstarter presentation, um, in the scope of what we're here to talk about, there was 100% zero comment. Um, no email no Kickstarter based email because you know they have an internal system right. no social media questioning no comment on the campaign a- about what we were presenting um, mm. you know and and you know again everyone has their perspective but I mean from um, from a presentation standpoint in terms of setting the game in a culture that's not my own um, I didn't really view it as any different than a game like azul you know
1: okay So that's your mental context. It's like I mean, you know, it's it's not like you're seeking out to make the make a game about like you know, like you know, picking out the most uh, you know weirdo culture, whatever it is. It's like this happens all the time. (laughs) 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 Azul is a massively popular game, you know. And Azul, Spanish for blue. (laughs) I mean, if you Mm -hmm. know where I mean, people maybe people play Azul, but they don't really like they they don't understand the theme at all. But like it is really there's a cultural background to it, and that is part of the appeal. Even if right. it's operating in kind of a, a subconscious level, like, you know, you're not aware of the, you know, the the Spanish, Spaniard descent of Azul, it's there and it's part of the draw. So that's kind of the spirit in which you
0: approach Corinto and right.
1: no pushback. I, yeah.
0: I think Azul, and I don't have the rule book in front of me or anything. I think it's more Portuguese based than, um, Portuguese. than Spain. The Iberian. But, I should probably, I use the word yeah, Iberian. Yeah. But obviously yeah. geographically, those places are next to one another. There's tremendous cultural exchange over hundreds, thousands of years. Right. So yeah, we're I mean, gonna go with
1: iberian on that one <laughs> thank you for uh correcting me no, okay, no cool. all right all right so then so now you know um and that's this is a, a common practice the designer will put a blog on ostensibly to you know as promo right so like i mean uh, we like to know the behind the scenes of games uh so then you know the the your designer richard gainer ricky put a blog on and the blog did a couple of things one it described the background the development of the game which i which i always find valuable And then there was a decision on his part to kind of um, weave in some kind of like uh, comments, you know, like observations about Indonesian culture, which was the original theme of the game. Not the theme now, but the original theme of the game. And that's, I think, where people kind of got a little salty because the observations were... You know I use the word racist on my video, and I will own that word not not that the person is racist no but I, I I don't call people racist please that is not what i do uh that is that is a no go for me, but the observations right you know uh uh they they export cat poop tea and they fight each other you know with spears and blah 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 so like it was you know like that I really kind of set people off uh, I, I was
0: so, yeah nearly as well versed in this as you are I'm sure, but I think there was um an unintentional othering in, okay. in the way they were pointed out, okay. you know, um, which, which obviously was received in the way it was received.
1: Kurt. Yeah, that, that's basically, that's probably the best way. I, you know, uh, I don't know if everybody knows what the word othering is, very academic word, oh. but yes, you know, th- th- it was a very othering. I used the word orientalism. You know, orientalism is, it's such a complicated thing, but boiling it down, it is regarding other cultures according to the most exotic, most, uh, you know, standout thing and kind of as a way of, um, you know, not acknowledging the, the uh, humanity and the, you know, the complexity of other cultures, just kind of like going towards these, what I call circus freaks. Right. So like Mm -hmm. making the Indian call look like a bunch of circus freaks didn't like it. We posted it. And so like, just, you know, you know, I I don't know if you ever put like an official statement about the blog, but like, I mean, just to kind of lay it out there. Like, what did you think of just the blog itself? And then we'll get into the reaction of the blog
0: after that. Sure. So in some ways, um, so I read the blog after it was already published. Ricky had sent it to me, but I was otherwise distracted. And he's like, it's up. And I'm like, okay, go for it. And I actually shared it on my own Facebook page. And um, and then I, I got to it. I I, don't, I can't honestly remember the timeline. Later that day, the next day, something like, no. Nah, well, when the reaction started happening, let's put it like that, which was probably within a couple hours is when I finally saw it. <laughs> it, was not, it was not slow. <laughs> no. So my initial reaction was actually a non-reaction. And I think that's because of my familiarity with Ricky. And I could hear his voice as... He was in the writing and so knowing him having worked with him pretty closely for you know almost two years um you know i knew i knew what he was writing and it actually took me a few readings to parse the um to use the phrase i used up two minutes ago to to parse what was pulled out as the unintentional othering from the message he was trying to deliver um you know i know ricky he's you know, uh, the intent was there, um, you know, but it was, what's the phrase, I think it's from Stephen Covey, we um we judge ourselves by our intentions, and we judge others by their actions, mm-hmm. and, you know, no one, um, you know, no one, and you put something out on the internet, and, and then it's just this wall, right, and then everyone gets to react to it, to their own subjective interpretation, and it's not a dialogue, except in the sense that, in this, like, in a case like this, you start trying to do damage control and it's not a real time conversation. And, you know, it's very hard to make your points clear. Um, and you're right. I did not react to it. Um, I sort of watched it play out and then it was honestly very quickly removed. Ricky and I discussed it. He wrote to Eric Martin, Eric pulled it, and boom, it was done. And you know, what's funny about the whole thing, Jason, I mean, not ha ha funny, but, um, you'd mentioned, you'd mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that there was some, outrage, um, on Twitter. And I, I mean, I'm not a big person on Twitter, but obviously if somebody at me, it should ping on my, you know what I mean? Like, and not, not a single one. Mm. So here, here's a situation. And I literally just found, I mean, I'd heard someone else say a couple of days ago that there was some controversy about this on Twitter as well. And the only thing that kept going through my head is why is no one adding me? Why is no one getting in touch with me? Why is no one having a conversation with me? And um, prior to us even beginning to talk, I uh, had a conversation with my graphic designer um, on the project. And, you know, pretty serious conversation because he said that people were coming to him questioning his motives, questioning his integrity, questioning his character. And I said to him, Why are they not coming to me? Why is no one having a conversation with me? And because, I mean, Josh Capel is an amazing, talented guy, and his character and values are unassailable, in my opinion. Um, And I just could not understand it, Um, where all this conversation, this entire dance was happening around the circumstances, and no one was talking to me directly. And I even told Josh, I'm like, hey, man, any of these people who are talking to you, give them my phone number and email. I will have a conversation with anyone about what our intentions were, how they played out, and what happened you know and so far jason thank you you are the first and only person who has reached out to me there was another but
1: i'm not going to reveal that person and they had a conversation with you as well so um and, you know <laughs> just to kind of oh, put I, it out there that there were some others
0: you No, know what I, I you know what i think i i know who that is and you know we'll let that person you know remain nameless they're not here so
1: Right. They're not here. So, but like they it's not like they was it's not like it was barren. <laughs> right. Anyway, but not as I mean, there were a, a, a fair number of criticism from a number of quarters, not a lot of like ads. And I mean, I don't want to get too far down those weeds. I think that social media has kind of taught us some negative things about like, you know, like DMs are your friend and ads are your friend and your know, direct conversation is your friend. Um but I don't want to say that in a shaming way because I think on kind of a progressive side, not that I don't hide that. I'm a, I'm a progressive minded person. I think on this side, there is this sense of like again and again and again and again and again. And like, you know, at some point, maybe it, you know, previous conversations have been tried by other publishers and it hasn't gone well. So it just becomes this kind of like, you know, almost like a miasma feeling of like, okay, here we go again. And it's like, okay, we're going into it and trying to express as best we can and trying to reach our audience as best we can. You know, I'm not that I'm excusing it, but I'm just kind of like, you know, giving a little context for the mind frame of like, okay, why, why wouldn't we reach out to this person? Mm-hmm. I'm not excusing. It. I think we should. I, and obviously I think we should. That's why, that's the reason why you're here. Uh, And also, and this is not something that anybody in content, I ever saw content creation did, but like, we can't control the wider community, right? And like, I really did see comments of like, you know, uh, garbage human beings that made this game or, or whatever it is. And like, and at that point, it's like, uh -uh, no, uh, you know, that is a human being that is listening to that comment. I... (laughs) <laughs> you know, right. I, these are real people to me. So it's like, okay, that yeah. is something I have to shut down. Even if I disagree with what happened, which we'll talk about the, the
0: ascribing, you know, the, the name
1: calling and all that kind of stuff is like, okay, that is a red line for me. No, go.
0: Right. You can dis, you can be, um, unhappy with a person's actions and still recognize their human life value. At the end of the day, that, that is what we all have in common. Um, and, and it's important to preserve that as part of any conversation.
1: Right. So, I mean, so, uh, by the way, if, if people haven't figured this out, there's going to be a lot of nuance in this conversation. So, if you are, don't, so if you're watching, like, if you're watching your pet while listening to this, or if you're doing something else, multitasking, I would recommend you put this down because we're going to enter into some nuance. Now we're really going to get into it, right? Uh, so, okay, the blog happened. He the, the, the author apologized. I followed the comments. You know, he, the apology is right there. Sorry if I offended anybody that was out of line, you know, whatever, whatever. So like, let's, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to put that totally aside, right? Because sure. it because it raises another, I think, deeper, more interesting issue. So then a deeper criticism that a lot of folks, and I also have the same criticism, is the idea of a pace it on theme. Like it is, you, you mentioned before, like you actually said it in your description, this is a lightly themed game. So it's like, okay, we're looking at, you were looking at Gurinto, Japanese people, and then, you know, there was a thread that said, okay, the, the designer wanted five things. There are a million things that have five things, that have five LSB to be, uh, I come from New York, we have five boroughs, <laughs> you know, like, why, why couldn't it be about New York climbing the mountain, you know, climbing Washington Heights in New York, right? that would have been cool for me, but it seems like there is a reflexive instinct among publishers to reach for these, you know, um, a cultural themes, I should say that, cultural themes. So that was the deeper criticism. It's like I feel like there was this fatigue of like, okay, you, we're talking about this again this is you know so let's let I mean I know that I think you started to go to where your criticism was, but let's kind of dive into that. you know what it, what did you think what do you think about that particular criticism that this is a pasted on theme and that you know a certain segment of the, of the um, community is tired of it.
0: Sure. so I mean again, you're talking to someone who, you know, grew up on Saturday morning cartoons, you know, was sort of a big kid throughout his life. And again, was uh, definitely tapping into my love and appreciation for Avatar The Last Airbender, um, mm. sort of hovering in the background of my mind um, as we as this game was presented and, and then taken to next steps. Um, you know, when I say lightly themed, I think it's more in the context of the fact that any game that's abstract is is lightly themed, right? I mean, even, let's even, use the granddaddy of, of current granddaddy of abstract games, Azul, you know, could have been anything else. Um, what I will say is that when the game was presented with the Japanese um, elemental theme attached to it, it, it wasn't completely detached. And what I mean by that is if, you're, if you know the game mechanically, you're moving around uh, tiles that have identities as elements. And so like when you use a water tile, I mean, water is in waves, right? Waves are horizontal. So you collect horizontally. When you move a fire tile, you have like a column of fire. So you're collecting right. up the column of fire. When you're using an earth tile, earth goes downwards. You're digging into the pile. Um, you know, wind, um, you know, you have the, uh, And again, I'm I'm not a um, not a mythological uh, scholar in any way, but, you know, you have like from Greek mythology, you have the winds and, you know, the the east wind and the west wind. So you're collecting tiles north, south, east, west. And then at least at the time, the remaining element is void. And, you know, that was just became diagonal because the idea was like void is this amorphous thing that sort of interweaves the fabric. And that was the pattern left to us. So, um, you know, you could you could probably still accused that of being very lightly themed but there was a logic to it it's not as if it was completely arbitrary and you know we we spun a wheel you know of of cultures and and that was the one that came up you know it wasn't that type of a thing um had that that's what it felt
1: like it felt like okay let's spin the wheel and and it was actually in the designer blog where the 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 publisher came up for the original publisher for that original game said
0: well i want to get on indonesia why right Right. And, and, I, and I think that, said that that started out as a Moncala type mechanism, um, which obviously Grinto is, is not even close to that in any right. way. I mean, I guess what it comes down to is I can't speak to the motivations of that publisher. Um, Grand Gamers Guild, who is me, um, has never uh, started a game process like that, you know, Um you not from a not from a cultural perspective. I mean, there are a few things I want in this life. Like, for instance, you, you may be familiar with one of my games, the Artemis Project, and yeah. um, I'd really love a game that is based on like a Dyson Sphere. Um, and you know, and I've talked to a few people and said, "Hey, can you make me that game?" But mm-hmm. that's obviously science fiction based, not cultural based. Totally different, you know, uh, uh, perspective or, or, or foundations, probably a better word. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess um, again, just to summarize. I don't know why that original publisher came to Ricky with that rec- or to Mike, actually, I guess, with that. Rec- Mike, rec- yeah. Um, you know, I-, I can only say, And in fact, until the blog, I never knew that bit of history. I was only ever presented a um, Japanese elemental. Uh, in- and at the time it was a card game. We, we made them into tiles. So,
1: Okay. All right, so so that's so the context is, um, so I mean, and I'm a guy we're talking about this because I want to distinguish Grand Gamers Guild from publishers or like white male publishers, like everybody yeah. has a different story, right? So that I think it raises two independent questions and I'll take them one at a time. So I think there are, as I have gotten into this work and work with more publishers, especially people who are working in Euro games, uh, European publishers or American publishers of European games abstract games that kind of thing game games that are famously don't need a theme right (laughs) or like you know you don't need need to know the theme in order to play the game um there is an attitude that it really is spin the wheel like okay i'm just going to borrow from indonesia i'm going to borrow from here i'm going to borrow from here um because that is so pervasive it makes even a grand gamers guild where there's a it sounds like there's more intention right even a grand gamers guild kind of is playing with the third rail a little bit because of that larger context of like so many other publishers, just kind of like spinning the culture wheel and slapping whatever hasn't been done yet on there. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Like should just overall should white publishers or white male publishers, whatever you have, you, you know, be making these culturally themed games, games that are from non-white cultures.
0: Um, Do I think they should be spinning the wheel? And, and, you know, prices Right style? Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction here. Um, and, and I don't expect to change the industry based on this, but I really don't like the word theme. Um, as someone who, who sort of had a, you know, English education based in the United States, um, very literary based, like theme applies in my mind, always has to the underlying messages of a story that you get out of a narrative. Okay. Um, I don't think... Hardly any games have a theme, even though the, um, the, the parlance that we use is the, co- is the colloquialism, right? It's, it's this game is this and this game is that. That's the theme. Um, I really think of it more as story. Again, I don't expect to change the entire industry, but I think the power of games comes in their ability to tell a story. Okay. Every story has a setting. Um, a good story has themes, um, things like that. And so I think what happens is, at least in my experience, when you were talking, I was partially going through my mind, thinking about the games I've published and the way we presented them versus how they were presented to us. So I think a designer comes to a publisher and they have a story that they want to tell. And then they couch those mechanisms in that story. And as a publisher, you then have a choice, right? You can you can buy that story Um um, and, then, and then follow through on it artistically, mechanically, whatever the case may be, or you could change that story. Um, you know, the story that was presented to me with Garinto was a, a Japanese set story. Um, the story that was presented to me with Pocket Ops, a very different game, a tic-tac-toe variant style game, was a different story. And, you know, in developing that game with my uh, lead developer, Josh, um, you know, we changed the story that was told. So, but to actually answer your question, do I think that um, anyone has the right to tell any story? Um, I think, look, I think everyone has the right to do whatever they want, right? You can do anything you want in this world. You just have to be willing to accept the consequences, good, bad, or otherwise. I think that um, a good publisher who, you know, cares about the process from the designer to the customer, those bookends. Okay. Um, and how they present themselves is going to do everything in their power to tell that story with as much respect as possible. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, we're in a time where, um, there are a lot of stories being told. I mean, thousands of games are published every year. Some of them are told with care and some of them are slapdash jobs. Um, I like to think that we took as much care as possible with, with every game, but, for the subject of this conversation, Garinto, and that, you know, the lessons learned from this conversation uh, will be taken further ahead. So, I mean, we have another game right now on Kickstarter called Aldabas, set in a non-white culture, um, on which again, we had a cultural consultant, we had a Colombian artist, um, and made, you know, again, took as much care as we thought uh, appropriate to make sure that we were telling the story we wanted to tell with respect to the culture behind it.
1: Okay, all right. um Okay, so yes, but is the answer to that question? It's like okay, should you should a white publisher feel free to you know making game, making some non white cultures? And it's like okay, yes, but there are things right. Hire a culture consultant, and I'll get to that. That's actually further down my little outline here. Sure, sure. Um, I, I, how to approach cultural consultants? Um, a lot of talk about cultural consultants because I don't know if you're following what's happening with uh, Isaac Childress and Frost. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Hired a cultural consultant blogged all about it and people are not happy. So I want to address that. Um, Okay. So then yes, but yes, be, yes, but be respectful. Yes, but be intentional. And I think I will take you at your word. You know, not every game uh, we, we both reject spinning the wheel. We both reject the cultural IP that just like, is like nothing's dash whatever. So what your position is, okay, be respectful, you know, hire from, uh, you know, if you hire consultants or artists something like that, try, try to get as close to the culture as possible and then go do your thing. OK, so that's proper respect and proper resp- representation. That's great. Uh, we're both on the same page. So I would like to advance us. That's the one on one class. Be respectful. I would like to advance us to the two on one class for a second. Sure. OK, so what I have observed watching what's going on uh, in terms of white, uh, w- white publishing houses, designing non-white cultures, it tends to be one of two things. It tends to be either exotic things or dead things. So when a, like, you know, so we 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 talked about. um, I mean, I'm I I have to pick on you. You're right here. So yeah. aldabas, right? Aldabas is Colombian. It is uh, the the word for door knocker, and it is a you know ancient you know big old artistic door knockers, uh, and you know has a whole cultural story around you know. um, you know, like, I guess like uh, it evokes like dungeons and uh, ancient doors and, and ancient craft, all that kind of thing. Okay. So then if I am a Colombian person, I'm not a Colombian person, but that's kind of within my realm. I'm looking at it and I'm going, pardon my French, I don't give a shit about door knockers. Like I'm a living person. I want, if I'm going to have Colombia on my game, I want it to be something that is living something that is respect, something that acknowledges something that is happening now or that ha- may, has happened that reflects struggle. So let's say you're talking about Colombian, like, I don't know, you, I know you don't make war games, but like, let's say you're making like, you know, you know some revolutions that have happened. They've, they've struggled with socialism and all this kind of thing. Like something where our peoples have agency, not the, not the exotic stuff or the dead stuff. So then you can make anything you want, but we are observing that when we let you, make everything you want, certain things are emerging that does not reflect our genuine voice. So, so what do you think of that?
0: So with, you know, speaking to the ongoing Aldabas, um, you know, we've actually had, so one of the comments we got is um, it's so nice to see something about Colombian culture that's so positive. Um, I will I will challenge your notion about the um, uh, historical nature of the Aldabas because they are, around and in the city today i mean granted there it's not like you have a new aldaba produced for your home to reflect your profession as as someone living now but you know uh from what i understand not having visited cartagena myself but working with people who do live and work there, Cartagena is is actual city in colombia right there right now here we are right is that you can walk around the city and see these things as you know on homes that that were populated by those people um when that was uh uh, social, cultural marker um, that, that had import. So, so I, I don't think we're dealing with, and I apologize for the barking dogs. Um, we're used the, to it here on Shelf Stories.
1: <laughs> what was that? <laughs> we're used to it here on Shelf Stories. Barking yeah, dogs, running kids. <laughs>
0: the, the Zoom of our lives. Um, so it is a living thing, um, albeit it's, um, there, there's more sort of uh, history to it than currentness to it um, in terms of, of what it is. Um, and I feel like I've lost the thread of the other part of your question.
1: Well, okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, so you say it's a living thing and you have had, and you have gotten Oh, that was it? saying, okay, Did I? Yeah. just to kind of reset the conversation in okay, case somebody else has lost the thread. Uh, sure. so my, my thing is, okay. When, um, when, uh, when we trust white publishers, they, the tendency is to make either exotic things or dead things. Right. And so, okay. I'll, I'll us, um, are our, our current right there, they're right there. Uh, and people use them, but it's still a kind of an exotic thing, right? True. It's, You know, and, you know, like you look at the the cover of the box is like this lion head and it's like, okay. um, from I I totally get that. And I'll take it of uh, people who say like, okay, I want my culture represented in a positive way. I feel the same way personally about like uh, Teotihuacan and like the tea games. Like, you know, uh, I'm I'm actually really happy that like I can teach my white friends how to pronounce Teotihuacan which I have known for my entire life and I've you know been teaching them and like the different other like games in that line, Zolkin and everything. Um, but the observation is when we trust white people, white publishers, European publishers, they'll go to either the past thing or in the, the striking thing, which kind of brings up that Orientalist thing. It's like, okay, the thing I noticed about you is a thing that's weird, not the thing mm-hmm. that is like just regular human. So just to kind of, I, I hope that resets the conversation. I want to lead into what you were going to say.
0: Right. I mean, I guess uh, to be honest with you, I mean, the the door knockers themselves are ornate. Um, They have social and cultural meaning, Um, but I don't, I don't know that I would consider them that exotic. I mean, people have door knockers today. They're just a lot more uh, function over form, but everyone knows what a door knocker is. It's just um, taking this tool and giving some, you know, life to it within, within a game system, you know, again, again, what had happened to give a little bit of the story is one of the designers in his daytime profession was working with a team that had come to the United States from Colombia. happened to mention, Hey, I um, am doing a game based on this. And the gentleman got all excited. He says, I am, you know, I collect those. I study those. I know about those. This is amazing. And so, I mean, and that gentleman became our consultant. I mean, one of the things we did in the game um, is originally we had used a European crown symbol to represent points and we changed it to, and and this is not the correct term, but I, it begins with a P and I just don't remember the the term anymore, but um, basically a a more historically accurate crown that was reflective of Colombian culture, Um, you know? So, because it just seemed like the correct thing to do and we ran that by him and he was like, oh yeah, this nailed it, you know? Um, So, I understand what you're saying um however you know and and I can't speak to again I can't speak to the motivations of other publishers I can't speak to the results of other publishers I can only know the process that we go through Mm -hmm. and if at any point we had found that there was a, a negative bent to this we would have pulled up states and um and moved on in some form or fashion uh applied a different story to it um changed artwork you know whatever needs to be done or, or perhaps abandon the system entirely and said hey you know what this just doesn't feel like a grand gamers guild game anymore
1: okay so then um so i mean on the individual level i think like you can kind of look at something like this and we talked about this with um a uh, Grinto, right i mean you look at grindo as an individual game there's certain things like there was more intention in it than in other things like you know the water goes Sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, or like horizontal fire goes. Calm, uh, yep. diag- um, I can't calm. talk anymore. Water goes horizontally, <laughs> fire goes vertically, all that kind of stuff. Um, and on an individual level, you can kind of say, okay, and then like, you know, a project like Other the boss is like, okay, uh, you know, cultural, uh, hi- hired a cultural consultant. It's a bunch of white people uh, making the game. I-, I like to call it a caucus of Caucasians. So uh, the-, the caucus of Caucasians has has descended upon and-, and produced this thing. And you did the best you could with within that context, hired a consultant, you know, uh, change things depending on their voice. That's great. Believe me, that is great. So to me, again...
0: We were we were literally done with Aldabas in terms of the way we presented it. And then, you know, my graphic designer put his nose to the grindstone and and swapped all those elements out so that they would be shown in um, in their changed state. You know, we wanted it to be presented as accurately as to the final product and our intentions sure. as possible.
1: Okay. And there is a, so, you know, that's, if you're going to do it in terms of the representation and respect, following the one-on-one basic stuff, that's fine. And I get you that you can't own the intentions of other publishers. I guess like where we're trying to say is like, okay, we're looking at it like the larger mm. context of like you know games that are made, right? You know, so like you know, if I'm getting Colombian culture, I'm getting door knockers. If I'm getting um, you know uh, Egyptian culture, I'm chances are I'm getting chances are real good. I'm getting pyramids and you know pharaohs and stuff. If I'm if I'm um, you know getting Africa, I'm getting diamond mines. If I'm in Japan, I'm getting you know pagodas. If i'm if I'm getting these either inanimate things or dead things, and so there is a kind of cumulative effect that and I, as I, I spoke about that before when talking about like you know why we get so mad, <laughs> uh, we're not reacting not necessarily reacting to the individual thing or reacting <laughs> to the kind of the cumulative like you know like this is a habit now that we're this is what we get, and on the individual level, I don't want to take away anything from your commenter or anybody else that says this is awesome for me there is another way of thinking about it where that kind of reveals a deeper problem that your current approach doesn't quite get at.
0: Right. Let me add something to that. Um, when you get Jewish things, you get Holocaust stories as if that is the defining thing of every Jewish life individually, you know, I don't like that either. I mean, no, exactly. There's, there's a lot more to it. And, And I'm just, I'm just bringing that point up because as a Jewish person, um, you know, that's that's uh, a that, that's the locus from which um you know we're all expected to uh opine and operate and mm-hmm. you know anyway keep going keep going please. well I
1: mean yeah I mean sure I'll, I'll pull from that like you know there's a massive difference between a game of like look like you know let's just say like take a cute thing a menorah right mm-hmm. you know like I mean I'm gonna make a Jewish game and I'm gonna like spin a dreidel and put on a menorah or I could make a game from the Jewish heritage. And talk about, you know, the Siege of Maccabees, which is like this active thing that like, you know, yeah. a really dramatic story that is, would be actually be a pretty cool motif for a game. Or, uh, and I know this gets into like, you know, some really difficult things, but I mean, games don't only have to be fun. They could also be instructive. Like we get war games, like, you know, we get a, a, a actual area control game of the Israel-Palestine conflict, which is, it is an area control game kind of writ large. That that That's all it is. So it's like, you know, in a way, like it's asking for that. It's asking for like, let's, let's look at that stuff. And like, like, let's cut out the games about menorahs. You know, is that, does that make sense? I understand what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. And so not that, okay, I'm, I'm like pinning you, Mark Spector, you must commit to this. Just to give you, give you and the audience something to kind of think about when it comes to why this blog kind of touched the nerve that it did. Oh, absolutely.
0: And, I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying.
1: Okay. So yeah, just that, that, and that's what it's all about. Just kind of process and kind of look into it. And I, and I thank you very much for kind of talking about that other aspect of it. I'm on shell Stories. I
0: love culture. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> the, uh, I wanna, yeah. Let me, uh, I want to throw one other thing out there. And, and I, I don't, I, I don't know if this would come up later or whatever the case may be, but the publishing of Grinto and the blog is, is obviously just one ping on the Grand Gamers Guild radar in the industry that will, you know, hopefully have, hopefully have, have a, a duration into the future of indeterminate length. Um, you know, and as you pointed out, there were people who were attacking us personally, um, that, that attacked us as people as a function of this one thing, without acknowledgement of many of the other things that I've done to be progressive and forward thinking and representative. Um, and and again, I don't know if we're going to wrap around to this in any way. Um, I certainly don't want to come off as you know defensive cuz i'm i'm cuz believe me i i know you're doing uh, pretty
1: good so far i've had <laughs> a lot of these interviews and you're doing you're a little but, bit
0: uh, a progressed I mean, beyond uh, the usual like oh no i'm not uh, please yeah. you're doing pretty good but but um but I, mean, but I guess what i'm asking is or saying is i don't know if it's time to speak to some of those things sure, or sure. For, yeah yeah uh, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be so i mean you, you know, just some some things that we've attempted to do in terms of representation. I mean, obviously, like you pointed out, Endangered is on the shelf right behind you. Um, you know, we took great I pains- love this game. We took great pains in that game to make the cast of human characters um, on a current event, um, multi-ethnic and, 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 you know, uh, multi-gender. Um, you know, originally it was presented also as a um, you were trying to convince U.S. senators to enact legislation, and I pushed back to Joe, the designer, and I said, first of all, these animals are not U.S. based, and second of all, um, saving endangered species is a worldwide problem, so you're not talking about a bunch of old white men who need to adjudicate on this, you know, the 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 um, when you're trying to convince the U.N., we went that direction because um, there are, these animals are in other countries, and you're represented by other Literally other flags in the game. You know what I mean? Um, you know, another thing we did um, early in the pandemic, you know, using that as our benchmark for time, as we, you know, we updated our, um, uh, my website to to reflect our feelings on Black Lives Matters. Um, you know, we have a statement there about that. Um, one of the things you might be aware that I do also is we change our logo to pay homage to current events. Um, we have a diversity logo that we put up. Um, in, you know, at culturally appropriate times when that is in uh, the cultural zeitgeist, um, we rotate that through, you know, so representation does matter. And I I like to think that I've done the best I can to put that in the places that it's appropriate in my games, on my website, on my social media, and things like that. Um, And there are other things I do that, um, you know, I I guess I just prefer to keep personal because, you know, I do have a little bit of a philosophical issue with uh, putting too many feathers in my cap. I, I try to just do what I do and do the best I can, and not um and not look for accolades and you know and to have other people than me um, pat me on the back for it. So, but but in the context of this conversation, I thought it was you know uh, appropriate to sort of broaden the um the view on some of the things that we tried to do to to be current and respectful and things like that.
1: So, you know, you do the things. And I see you're at Facebook. You have your Black Lives Matter and all kind of stuff. Should that make you immune to criticism?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I, I mean, it should, all, if nothing else, I think it should show my commitment to awareness and, and my ongoing commitment. Um, no, no one's immune to criticism. I mean, we still criticize things that are, you know, hundreds of years old, games, uh, books, literature. Um, you know, things have to be taken In their context, um, in the current context, and then in their future context. Um, And, you know, and then everyone makes their decision about them as a function of that.
1: So, and that's where our, like, kind of thought is, is that I think there are some folks that kind of believe that, even if they don't, even if they'll never say it directly, that, you know i do the things right i have done this i've hired the consultant i've done i've done whatever and so why are you coming why are you adding me why are you coming at me why this flame why this this you know why why this and so there's that like you mentioned before that defensiveness right that that kicks in and it's like you know again i said it before i'll say it again i will keep on saying it. criticism is not cancellation we're not trying to cancel you you know are we a little bit loud and agitated yes because there is a you know again Diamond Wines in Africa, um, Pyramids in Egypt, Pagodas, like these are the games that we're seeing. And it's like, on its own, they seem okay, but it's like, it, for for people who really wanna see, who for whom we, for like, we care. And, you know, it's like, we have this this sense that like, okay, why care so much, it's only games. I don't tell you what to care about, you don't tell me what I care about, you know? And I care about representation. I care about, you know, having living things, living people, living uh motifs in my games, I care, sorry. And I'm trying to express it in a way, and maybe this is kind of my thing, um, trying to express it in a way that is constructive. Like I, I always say, I want more games, not less. And so there is a frustration there. So it's like, you know, but, but I try to channel that frustration positively.
0: I try to channel it so it's like the thing and not the person, right? So, Right. You, you have done an excellent job of respecting that human life value. We can criticize the actions, but we need to respect the person, you know, and their life value. Right.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> so we can move past that. Like, I mean, I I've logged my criticism about knocker games and you know, that's something for you to process. So then there's another kind of question. I mentioned two questions. Here's the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a question of like motivation about like why publishers just like, like, cause we could talk about the ethics of it, but then it's just like, it takes the to correct Like, okay, they're doing it. Why are they doing it? Like, why are we constantly getting these cultural games if you know if they they come in sometimes they're respectful sometimes they're not sometimes they are paced on sometimes they're not um you know but we're constantly getting it you know you know a kickstarter's about Trinidad is like i feel like every place has a game why like there are millions of themes there are the themes abound all over the place like you can make if you can make a game like you could tell a story i know you don't like the word theme but you can tell a story yep. about virtually anything yep yep, right? yep uh and so it's like if you have this whole wide field of criticism, why is it that, again, I'll go back to it, my caucus of Caucasians, my white designers, why, why, why pull from those themes over and over and over again? It's boring. Like At least we find it boring. There has to be some reason on the publisher side why it keeps happening. Maybe you can kind of fill me in on that part of things.
0: Um, I'll be honest, that's that's a really big question. There are probably people who've studied this um who would have much better answers than me. Um, my initial reaction is, you know, we live in a big, beautiful world. Um, and there's so many stories to tell. And you know, finding something that is not part of your um mental scheme, and then setting a foundation for yourself and then building a story around it in this case a game um you know gives gives you the opportunity to you know dip your toes in the water of that story um you know maybe maybe it will result in you traveling to that place maybe it's because you traveled to that place um you know um I, I, but i i so, think okay. I, 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 let's let's
1: let's 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 start there, right? we we'll go there. So, okay, I, I totally love, I love culture and I love more games about culture. So like the, the issue isn't that we're making games about culture, the issue is like the mm-hmm. instinct seems to be, okay, let's say just the theoretical example of I visit a place, I visit a place and I'm gonna make a game about it. Why can't the instinct be, okay, I'm going to visit a place and now I'm going to partner with somebody who is knows the place better and then we're gonna agree to make the game together or I'll agree to help this person ma- realize their vision. So that is not happening. And there's a, and not only is that, uh, not that, not that it's not happening, but like, it's, it's, it's a struggle. Like it, it really is. It's a struggle. Like every single win was like, oh, you know, we finally got one more win. So it's like, that's kind of what we would want to see happen where it's like, we want more games, but like, if you go to a place then, and it comes out of a sense of appreciation, which is like, you know, you mentioned before you loved the last airbender. So there was an appreciation element there. Right. So if it comes out of place, appreciation, um, you know, and this is as a, an unfair question, but I'll just pose it anyway. Um, why can't there be the, more of an instinct to say, okay, I appreciate this place. Let me partner with somebody and make something together as opposed to I want to make a game about this.
0: Sure. So, I mean, I guess let's just use the two concrete examples we've discussed. With respect to Garinto, um, you are correct. There was not a direct um, through line there to bring that to life. But with Aldabas, there very much was. So it can be done. Um, and, you and know. It should be done could be done. And if, um, you know, if going forward, um, uh, you know, a publisher is smart about what he or she chooses, um, you know, having that through line um, is something they should choose to do.
1: So here's, so, and this is where the cynical part comes in. And this is where the the, the the mad comes in, where there is that, where there is not that partnership,
0: mm-hmm. where
1: there is just the, uh, you know, the, the white publisher deciding to make that game without, without partnership, the, assumption on our side has become and i think that has borne out more often than not is that it is for sales like well these games finished. sell more these games appeal more they i can make games look prettier and they people will have more resonance and so it's like and that become that where we get into the real issue of appropriativeness like a game is not affirming it's appropriating and sure. so that's where we like oh that's why you're doing it if you're not partnering that means that you want to just kind of extract and keep it yeah. for yourself
0: yeah i um I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we are a consumer-driven industry, right? The goal is to sell a product. Um, I I think, um, you know, the onus is on us as publishers to elevate our consciousness and how we implement that product. So, and I would like to think, although I don't know. No, let me just say it this way. Me and my company will continue to push in that direction. And I can only hope that others will as well. And honestly, others who have a much bigger platform than me, because I am... I am tiny. My, I throw <laughs> pebbles in the pond. There are, there are people who heave boulders, you know? Um, it's where it starts, though. It's where it that? starts. It's where hey, it starts.
1: Was, you know, I was, like, I mean, Isaac Childress designed the biggest game at, at forever, and he watches yeah. this show. I know he'll watch this. I know he'll watch this conversation. I know he's kind of already bought in, but, like, if someone like an Isaac Childress can watch, others can, too
0: absolutely absolutely yeah right he's 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 a boulder heaver absolutely
1: <laughs> whether he whether he likes it or not
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah hi Isaac. <laughs> yeah, with yeah <laughs>
1: well i mean okay so and, and again i have um i, I don't want to like kind of like put you on the wall for like other publishers but like there is an anger there is uh of like okay you are using you are appropriating you're basically treating you know japanese cultures or you know a, a non-white cultures as like as you would a cthulhu as you would like, you know, uh, uh, a Sherlock Holmes, like a, like an open source IP that is like, oh, there's no license on it. Okay. I can do whatever I want. And there is this, like, this a sense of like, Mm-mm, we, we are done with that because, you know, not that we own the IP in a capitalist sense, but like we, it, we do own it in a emotional sense. And so please be more respectful and please do that more respectful at a baseline. And then please partner. With us as often as possible, so we can, if you want to make that game. And if not, make a game about the five boroughs of Brooklyn <laughs> or whatever. The big game about like some abstract thing, I don't care. Um, okay. So then just to kind of drill down, I, I mentioned about cultural consulting. So uh, let's drill down a little bit more on that. So tell me about your approach when it comes to hiring a cultural consultant, how you think about cultural consultants.
0: Well, I think basically, if you are approaching um, a, a story that is, um, this is a really broad brush, but let's just say not your story to tell. Um, you know, it's important to um, find someone who's an authoritative source and make sure that you are approaching that story with respect, with thoroughness, and telling it in a way that um, whether or not a person who's on the receiving end of that content, again, book, painting, in this case, game, um, you know, will hopefully not find issue with it because at the end of the day all all of us have subjective faculties right the joke from a comedian might offend you that doesn't offend me or vice versa right everyone we all have our own experiences i think it's impossible to believe that every bit of content we put out um is going to hit everyone in the right way you can just do the best you can and go from there and then hope that anyone who does take issue with it is willing to have a conversation and um explain where it hit them wrong. Mm -hmm. So
1: then, I I, I mean, you're dancing between kind of uh, two issues there. And I'm not, no, dancing, that's that's a bad word, but like in terms of you're touching two issues. So then Mm -hmm. one is like, okay, a cultural consultant could kind of make a game better, you know, tell a better story. Like, you know, tell a more resident story, tell a more nuanced story and get into the weeds that you would never see as, from your perspective, as a a white male who doesn't, who's never been to Cartagena, who's never been to other places. So like, that's like the positive way to look at it. The negative way to look at it is that you hire a culture consultant to um, make the SJWs happy, you know, to, to avoid crit, to avoid criticism. And I've actually gotten this. I, I, I've experienced this firsthand of like, you know, someone to put well, on a Kickstarter
0: experiencing it firsthand right now. There were right? there was no <laughs> negative feedback when at the end of the day, the goal is to put out the best game possible, you know, it's making everyone happy in whatever perspective they're bringing to the argument, is not a bad thing in any way. You know, whether whether it's the SJWs, to use your term, or it's the- Oh, I don't
1: like that term. Just like that's what the oh, that's what okay. the, the criticism is of people gotcha. who gotcha. hire cultural consultants. So- oh, you're trying, just trying to make the SJWs happy. You're just trying to be woke, da, da da da
0: Right. No, no, no. I mean, that is a result of doing the right thing, but it is not the motivation behind doing the right thing.
1: For some people, it is.
0: Oh, well, uh, that,
1: that's the story I was going to tell, like, of a of, uh, sure. kick, like, uh, I, you know, p- looking at a Kickstarter going like, uh, eh, uh, and like hi- contact the designer and like, you know, asking a the question, they say, well, I hired a culture consultant, leave me alone, you know, like blame him if it doesn't fall short. And it's like, why did you hire the cultural consultant? You know, right. <laughs> did you hire yeah. the cultural consultant to, to, to mute criticism or did you hire the cultural consultant to make your game better?
0: Right. And and for those people, if that's their sole motivation, um, then they're you know, they're they're living a diminished existence because they're not appreciating the richness that they could bring to their final product.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I <laughs> we're on the same page. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify for people, yeah. yeah because totally. I mean, and that's that was the thing when it came to the Frosthaven comments. And if you don't know about Frosthaven, um, just a quick background: Isaac Childress, maker of Gloomhaven, because draws it a lion, has made Frosthaven, but then realized that, that the original Gloomhaven made like published in 2016, but made you know years before. I just presented a. It had a lot of races. And it had presented a lot of difficult things about the races. Very essentialized, very stereotyped. Uh, you know, just upon further reflection, and hired a cultural consultant to kind of help him work through all that and describe that in a blog, and uh-huh. got the uh, and the the response. Oh my god, the, the response was so like triggered and fragile, and I, I almost think I, I think of it like the the plaintive wail of whiteness. Like, no cancel, no cancel. And that's all it was. I was like, you're canceling, you're you're making people happy. The cultural consultant is a grifter. It's a it's a it's a charlatan who's just there to make a, make these mad people satisfy their bloodlust or whatever it is. There are people who really believe this stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's
1: it's nuts to me. It's nuts. Yeah. I, 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 again, yeah. I, don't, I never want to call a person nuts, but like the whole situation, oh, it drives me crazy. When at the
0: end of the day, he's just trying to, Isaac is just trying to make the best game possible from, yes. from any lens you view it through. Um, and that should be the goal of every publisher. You know, is, I mean, y- you can look through the literal lens of colorblindness, friendliness. You can look through the figurative lens of, of you know, uh, being culturally sensitive. Um you know, there's all, a lot of different lenses. We all have our own lenses. Um, and he just wants to put out the best game from every lens. Right. I, I think as, so too, but... as, as do I. As do <laughs> I. And, you know.
1: I think so, too. And that's <laughs> the bottom line. is like, uh, and we care. And, you know, just kind of like, now we're coming to a kind of circle to the, you know, like kind of wrapping up the conversation. Like, we yeah, care. Sure. We do. And we're trying to express our care as, as, in a way that isn't taking away anybody's stuff. Like, we don't want to take any way, anybody's stuff, and I'm going to use a, you know, a word, and I'll bleep it out in the podcast, but we are not trying to <laughs> anyone's stuff. We're not trying to take the, the reason why you escape, the reason why you play. You know, we're not going to make it like, oh, HJW, let's hit each other with pillows land. Like, you know, we, we want to make better stories about war and everything that you come to games to do. It's just, there are aspects to it, like, you know, uh, burrs in the saddle that can be removed. We're trying to remove them. There's resistance on the part of publishers. So which, you know, it's a, it doesn't, it's, it's not an easy process. It sounds loud, but at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is make more and better games. And on your end, because you don't make like the bigger games, like you make like you know, little games and a lot you've made, I think your proclivity is towards like the abstract and the you know small family weight
0: in terms of grand gamers guild. Is that correct? Yeah, I have some I have some medium weight games and we'll actually yeah, the, small, the to medium, I, small to medium, small to medium. The way I approach things mostly is for good or ill, it's it's really whatever tickles my sensibilities. My goal actually is to put out such a wide swath of experiences. That you kind of look and go, oh, I can't believe these are from the same company. Um, it, it, do, it does make uh, it does make uh, it's an extra challenge to my success in the sense that it's really hard to sort of sell endangered and garinto to the same person. But that's okay. You know, I tell the stories. Oh, that not, not,
1: you're not selling them to this person. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I, I know what team I'm on.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Okay. Um, so then, you know, so this is done in your spirit. I, I have logged my criticism and I hope that Mark, you know, responds to those criticisms. I have done as best as best I can to articulate them and stay on my ground because I really feel like I don't want to talk in an echo bubble. I want to hear and respond as, as difficult as that can be sometimes. Anyway, uh, so I do have criticism. I will continue to have criticism if, if Mark releases a game that also that something else happens, I'm going to continue uh, to do that. But the, the channel is open to talk you know we'll come right back on shelf stories hopefully maybe next time to talk about something happy talk about the next expansion to endangered uh, or whatever
0: is uh whatever that would be amazing you said oh yeah i would love that i mean yeah i'm super proud of that product and 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 the story that that product tells so absolutely
1: Once I get my copy of new species down here and I lay that down, I, you are welcome to come back (laughs) to the show. We don't have to talk about any of this cultural stuff. We're going to talk about one of the best light cooperative games with an awesome theme that I have played in a long time. So that'd be cool. All right. So uh, we'll end this off by just tell us, you know, so Aldabas is live on Kickstarter. Is it, did it end?
0: Aldabas, um, depending on... Well, it's going to end on Tuesday the 18th. So we're so funded... Day when we, the
1: day we post the show is actually on Tuesday the 18th. Oh, okay, so yeah. so be, I might just We might just miss it, but I might, I'll might i put up a social media post or something like that. Sure, sure. So then, okay. Yeah. So then, and then, you know, then more, like you have more in the pipeline.
0: You know, oh, yeah, and, absolutely. We're um, uh, following up on Aldabas will be uh, our next journey into deep space with the Artemis Odyssey, a spin-off game from the Artemis Project. Um, And then also, we're extremely excited to uh, let people know that uh, the Kringle Caper, which was our 18 card escape room game designed by Jonathan Schaffer, uh, was so well received that we've decided to turn it into an entire line of games that we call holiday hijinks. So um, the next game in the series will be the Independence Incident, focused on, of course, the 4th of July. So pre-orders will be opening for that um, within days of when you drop this conversation.
1: All right. All right. So this is Mr. Mark Spector. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. This was fantastic. I appreciate it.
1: If you could change your mind, you could change the world. So until next time, later, everybody.
0: Thanks for joining us again for the one-stop co-op shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at one-stop co-op shop. Also join us for games and discussion on our discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com onestop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.